Welcome to the What's Your Truth podcast, the show that not only showcases the best of independent artists, but also explores what inspires them, what drives them, and what they consider their fundamental purpose as an artist to be. Today on the show, we have Emily Dolan Davies. Hailing from the UK, Emily is one of the most in-demand touring and recording drummers on the planet. The list of artists that have had the privilege of working with her is long and distinguished, including the likes of Brian Ferry, The Darkness, Kim Wilde, Howard Jones, and Tom Bailey of Thompson Twins. She's also been featured in the Netflix documentary, Count Me In, and she's currently the house drummer for ITV's The Voice Kids. Now, if I stop the intro right here, there would already be plenty there to admire, adore, and otherwise accolade. But wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from owning and operating her extremely successful remote recording business, to borrow Emily's words, she is passionate about helping other musicians. In 2017, Emily opened the Drum Stem Club, a growing collection of free drum multi-tracks geared toward encouraging and supporting musicians, songwriters, and producers around the world and honing their craft. Then in 2020, Emily started her remote drumming business course, where she takes her key successful actions as well as tips, gear recommendations, and so much more, and gives musicians a no-nonsense toolbox that helps them navigate the oft-murky and at times choppy waters of the remote recording world. And as if that wasn't enough, Emily also has a YouTube series and podcast, A Drummer's Guide too, where she shares her vast experience and insightful view- views on the world of being a pro musician. And she does this solely and only to help other musicians reach their goals. Last, but certainly not least, and maybe even the most inspiring thing of all, I've seen some of Emily's content, and the one thing that always grabs me about her is her infectious enthusiasm for being a musician. Full of life and energy and always with a smile and a word of encouragement, she really does set an incredible example for what it means to be a thriving musician in a world that is, to say the least, a bit challenging on a good day. It's a pleasure to have her here today to get up close and personal on what it means to her to be an artist. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Emily Dolan Davies. <laughs> Hello, Johnny. That is like the nicest like introduction ever. And I'm sat here just being like feeling so awkward and just like, oh, it's so lovely, but oh, just don't just stop. Like, yeah, thank you so much. That's you're you're very kind. Thank you for those lovely words. <laughs> No, you're very welcome. And I meant every word. I mean, as I was saying before we started, I think you just set an incredible example. And I just, everything about what you have going on, I just love. So I'm just really happy to have you here. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's that's very, very kind of you. Thank you. So I'm quite overwhelmed by all that. I was like, wow, okay, cool. <laughs> so thank right. you. Thank you. You are, you are so welcome. Well, shall we roll into it? Let's do it. Let's have a chat. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> So, and by the way, you're the second um, person from the UK I've interviewed in the last couple of weeks. And I love how you guys say, let's have a chat or let's have a think. I actually love that. Oh, cool. <laughs> That's so fun. I just like that. Yeah, I, I do time. too. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you decide that you wanted to become a musician? So, well, for me, it was, uh, I was always brought up in a household that had a lot of music sort of around. So my mum played piano, my dad played a bit guitar, um, and there was always music on, and I always really loved music. Uh, so I'd sort of tried a couple of instruments. I'd tried guitar, which I was useless at. I couldn't quite understand how there were six strings on this thing, and then frets, and then there were chords, as well as notes. And it was just like, no, this isn't going to work for me. Uh, I think for a while, my mum forced me and my sister into trying to play piano which in hindsight I wish I'd have carried on with but obviously when you're eight years old or whatever it was just like man this is rubbish I don't like this um and then when I was 11 uh I was in school and I was the shyest kid that you could ever meet I was just I was so quiet and in the register uh, they had announced that there was this drum club starting that lunchtime and what in the world possessed me in knowing how shy I was to go oh, maybe I'll go try that. So uh, I rocked up to this this lunchtime class and um, there were about 30 kids, all the same age, sort of like, you know, we're all very new. We'd all just started this new school. So everyone's very tentative. And the teacher basically just sort of, there were three kits set up. And the teacher said, right, we're all going to take turns sitting on the kit. I'm going to show you what to do. And he sort of like explained this sort of pattern. And we were all sort of trying to play it on our legs and whatnot. And anyway, I... Uh, sort of a few people had a go and when it was my turn I I sat down and I started doing what he told me and it was it was like everything just made sense in that moment and I'm not saying that I could play I was not you know I was not gifted from the get-go but I understood it. There was an inherent understanding of what I was meant to do and and the mechanics of it and just it 
it just blew my mind. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I want to be good at this. And from that moment on, I was like, I just became completely obsessed. It was, it was probably unhealthy, probably still is, but I love it so much. <laughs> no, and that's awesome. And I'll tell you something, that's one of the common things I've noticed with a lot of people is, you know, even if they can't put their finger on it or name it, there's like always this inborn remote or innate thing rather, where it's almost like you're finding something that was there to be found. And when you find it, you really find it. Yeah. It's um, almost like a recognition of yourself. And I had never experienced that before. I don't think I've ever experienced it since. And it was just so inherent and undeniable. And I was just in a lucky enough position that I could explore that. So I consider myself very lucky in that respect, for sure. Well, and the world is lucky, too, given the recordings you've been on and the, and the ways you've, you've been out there doing what you do. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I get awkward with compliments. You'll have to bear with me. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for the heads up. I'm sorry if I'm sorry if I make me feel uncomfortable, but I do. It's lovely. Like, it's me being English and very awkward. I just, yeah, we're not great with, you know, saying nice things to each other. We're great at taking the mickey out of each other. But yeah, when it comes to compliments, everyone's like, oh. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> even when you, know, even when you insult, you're always very charming in the way you do it. It's incredible, actually. Oh, yeah, we're definitely good at that. Sort of the backhanded kind of compliment that's actually an insult, but it's kind of in good fun. We're, yeah, we're, we it's just great. take the mic basically constantly. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So what was the first experience you remember having with music? Like oh, the first. It pro let me have a think. It was probably, I'll tell you what, actually, like an actual hands-on experience, like aside from just listening to music. I remember listening to music as a kid, listening to Queen and like T-Rex and things like that. For some reason, I thought my dad was in T-Rex for a little while. But anyway, that's another story. But um, I, I think my first proper memory was actually, uh, it was New Year's Eve. I must have been about seven six or no maybe seven years old and um, my parents had decided that year they wanted to go to a blues jam uh that year for new year's and as i said my dad played a bit of guitar and <laughs> they thought it'd be a really good idea a to bring a seven and a five-year-old to this pub full of like at the time everyone's smoking you know it's just everyone's drinking um and then my dad said to me and my little sister who would have been five at the time why don't you guys learn a song and we were like, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, and, you know, when you're that young, no inhibitions, like, oh, it's fine. So we did a version of, do you know how much is that doggy in the window? Oh, yeah. Okay, right. So that song as kind of like a fake out where we'd start that song and then we'd go into Just Walking the Dog, you know, the, that blues tune? Just yeah, 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 Rufus Starts, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and then, and so that was our New Year's. It was me and my sister Hannah. We got up on stage and we we faked out the kind of how much that doggy in the window, all the audience are rolling their eyes like, mm, whatever. And then we go into that and they're all like, oh, all right, fair enough. So, yeah, I'd say that's probably my first sort of experience in music that wasn't just listening to it on a stereo, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. That's amazing. I mean, yeah, that is kind of an interesting visual, though, of two kids in the middle of this bar. It's like, oh, what could go wrong? You know? yeah, that was my childhood. It just, you know, there's so many things I look back on and I go, my parents were, they were mental. They were are brilliant. But like, you just think now you wouldn't be able to do that. Certainly over here, you couldn't take kids into a pub like that. Like, it's just not a thing anymore. But thank goodness it was when I was younger, because it was a big part of my childhood, I suppose. Definitely. Yeah. And uh, segueing into my next question, who are the biggest influences on your work and why? Oh, my goodness. All right. There's so many, obviously, as you know, all musicians are just influenced by everyone. Um, since it was the anniversary of his passing yesterday, I've got to say Lee Von Helm, who was the drummer with the band. I adore him, not just for his playing and his feel, but because he sings what he plays, his placement of what he plays complements the music so perfectly for me that it's basically what I strive to do as well. Like for me, lyrics 
just inform me exactly what I should be playing. And that's not just parts wise, it's emotion wise. I like to really tap into a song's emotion and story and hopefully be able to channel my experiences into that as well. Um, so yeah, so Leave on Helm, definitely. Um, who else? Oh, Palmer, who's just like amazing. Um, Al Jackson Jr. I basically love sort of song drummers that just have the most undeniable groove that you just it, it just hits you like in the heart or in the stomach and you're like oh my goodness this this shouldn't exist this this almost feels like it just yeah this is just too much so um yeah people like that people like Steve Jordan Steve Gadd um yeah there's so many amazing drummers that just you know you hear them and it's like what, what is that it's almost heartbreaking sometimes when you hear well any musician where it just it gets you, you know? Um, so yes, many, many, many different drummers and, and musicians, I suppose, songwriters. I love Neil Young, um, Randy Newman. I've just been getting into recently. Who's really great. And, uh, who else? A John Paul White is a sort of a, a newer songwriter that I adore. Um, yeah, just someone that knows how to tell a story and convey emotion, uh, in a very visceral and sometimes a very simple way. I think it's just a, a beautiful thing. The medium of song is just such an incredible thing. So that that is my, yeah, I think that's my answer. Sorry, it's a bit all over the shop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's okay. And I, I, I got to tell you, I love what you said too about like really thinking with, I think there's a, a bit of a tendency for people to default to, well, the drummer has nothing to do with the song other than keeping the time. And it's not true. Yeah. And a lot of emotion is conveyed. And even like, like with the vocals, like hearing things and maybe you accent something because it then boosts the message of the vocals or something. I mean, I think that's really brilliant. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, I had a drummer friend that would always make this joke. He's like, yeah, I'm a drummer. Hit stuff. Get check. And that's all. <laughs> and that's what I do, you know, uh, and he was totally joking. And he's actually a of fantastic course. drummer in his own right. He was my drummer for a lot of years. And um, anyway, but it's funny because I think people have that viewpoint, you know, mm. especially people that aren't musicians and really don't get it. And I mean, I think a guy's even like Ringo, who gets kind of like back. And, and I'm like, he was so nuanced and he supported everything that that band did, not just the time, but even with his accents and his feel like. Oh, oh yeah. Somebody, yeah. Like somebody was telling me, like, he wrote parts to the songs. Like he didn't just play a stock beat. He would write parts to the songs that complemented that song. If you actually listen to Ringo's playing, he gets a lot of stick, pun intended, but um, yeah. he is incredible and he truly is a quarter of that band because the parts like you say the parts that he plays are not just two and four you know wow. listen to come together for instance who in their right mind would have thought to do that part but it is integral to the song and it's iconic and it's not like that's just a one-off like every song there's something about it that you're like that is brilliant and I know I wouldn't have thought of some of those things, that's for sure. Like, it's just beautiful. I think, yeah, I, I think he deserves a lot more recognition than the stick that he gets. But, um, yeah, I agree with you. You know, I think I think drummers have in the past maybe got a bit of a, a, a not a bad rap, but just kind of be dismissed or whatever. But as you say, it's kind of, there's a foundational thing. And my whole thing is I want to create a solid foundation to a song so that all the musicians and the singers around me feel safe. They feel supported and comfortable so that they can then do what they do and, and bring these beautiful, beautiful melodies and vocals and lyrics and all of that. And I'm just the one there giving them a hug going, you're all right. Like we're in this together. This is a team. So that's always the way that I think about it. And it's probably overthinking it, but it's fine. But the upshot of that is it means that all drummers love each other because we all get sidelined and then we all come together and go, hello, I'm a drummer too. Do you want to be friends? And, uh, and you were talking about Count Me In. And I think that film really encapsulated the common experience of being a drummer and also the love that drummers have for each other it's 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 almost embarrassing but we genuinely we're like one big family it's just ridiculous so yeah anyway no that's amazing and I don't think you're overthinking at all I think I love that you have such a concise picture of what you're actually there to do and it's not just to you know bang a couple of drums just to create a beat you're really you're like kind of like a glue 
honestly. Like you're kind of what holds Hopefully. everything. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm aiming yeah. for at least. I can't, uh, you know, I'm sure I don't do it perfectly every time, but that's definitely the intent. So. Well, that's because you're human, but that's okay. I feel, <laughs> I feel like you've been forgiven a number of times over for any supposed mistake you've ever made because <laughs> nobody probably knew anyway. That's a really good point. Yeah, you're you're probably right. It's just me being beating myself up, but everyone else is going, sounded great. Oh, yeah. did it? Oh, okay, I'll shut up then. <laughs> and we all do it. God, to this day, I have such a problem with that. But Yeah, it's I the blessing and a curse of being a creative, I think. And it's the reason that we strive to be better. But yeah, it is hard sometimes, you know, when you do beat yourself up. And then there's a balance because you want to strive, but you don't want to knock your own confidence in what you're doing. So it's kind of, it's a tough one. It is a tough one. I think we're all battling with that for sure. <laughs> I think so too. So what's the weirdest thing that's ever inspired you? <gasps> that's a great question. The weirdest thing that has inspired me. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a strange situation that I was in um, that I suppose it did inspire me because it had to, but I got in touch with an art student a long time ago and she said to me, she said, look, I've got this art project. It's kind of like a performance piece. And I was like, all right, yeah, cool. I'll, yeah, I'll, I, I think I was... 18 at the time I was saying yes to everything I was just like I don't care I just want to be out there playing I want to be meeting people fine anyway should so can you come down to my uni and um I'm not going to tell you anything about it but just come down and be ready to like with your drums be ready to play I was like all right cool so the first thing that happened which I must say because I feel like any drummers listening and I'm sure you will appreciate too I get there with all my drums by myself in my car and the place that I'm meant to perform, I swear to you, is about a mile away. And like, I can't drive in. I have to drag oh. everything in. And it was just like, this is a really, I feel like I've made a mistake by saying yes to this already. But okay, we'll go with it. So anyway, I rock up, um, sweating, obviously, set up all my drums. And then uh, the sort of audience of other students and the teachers come in and she gives me this um, radio with headphones. And do you know what the shipping forecast is? Do you know what that is? It's yeah. basically a um, a person that tells the people that are sailing in, say, the English Channel or whatever, what the conditions are like. And they oh. use really strange words and like this degrees northwest and da 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 da. Anyway, she said, What I want you to do is I want you to put these headphones in and just interpret. The, it's the most boring thing, by the way, the shipping forecast you could ever imagine. Um, I want you to interpret the shipping forecast and play something with that in mind. And I was just sat there going, this is just turning into the most bizarre experience. So anyway, <laughs> so I did and I sat and I played and then, <laughs> so it was weird. And I was like, I don't feel good about this. This is all a bit strange. You know, this is not what I do. I play songs. I don't play to the shipping forecast. Oh, also no one else could hear this shipping forecast. So I was just drumming. Um, and we finish, and then all of the students and all of the teachers proceed to critique the whole performance, obviously as an art piece. But I'm sat there going, yeah, but that was, that was me playing. So that was a very strange experience that, again, I had to be inspired by it. But, yeah, that was a, a little bit of an odd one. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Good God. It's very that strange. It sounds very stressful. Gosh. It was. It was. And then I had to drag all my kit back again afterwards. These are the things that I remember. I just remember how annoyed I was that it was like a mile away. I was like, ah! <laughs> yeah, no, I know. And I actually have one like that, too. I played uh, House of Blues a few years ago in um, in L.A., and there was construction, like roadwork capping at the time. So all the usual closed parking was gone, and, of course, the lot was filled. So I literally had to park. I think it was like three-quarters of a mile away. <sighs> And, you know, I'm a guitarist, so I don't have as much as a drummer does, but I bring like three guitars to a full show with me. And, right, an yeah. and, so, so it was, and I didn't have a cart, so I was like, all right, well, guess I'm getting my steps in today. Oh, it's rough. <laughs> it's rough when that happens, but it's, you know, it's a rite of passage, isn't it? It's like, how much do you want this? Right. Here's, here's a mile. Go drag all your gear back and forth. Awesome. All right, cool. Yeah, I must really want this. <laughs> well, and that's just it. It is a test, isn't it? 
It is, it is. There's so many times I would be coming back from gigs at like three in the morning and driving and just being knackered and then getting home and having to unload the car. And I just kept telling myself, I really want this. This is what you got to do if you really want to do this as your job. So just get on with it. And, you know, it got me through it. So it's fine. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Well, you, it's, that's half the, half the way to create longevity in this industry is just to keep persisting. Absolutely. Got to, it's essential. Yeah. Just keep saying yes and keep experiencing and keep growing and look for growth. I think that's the other thing that's quite difficult because it's very easy to kind of just stay in your lane and go, you know, I do this thing. But to actually challenge yourself is, I, I swear the older you get, the, the the more terrifying it is because I think people's expectations of you as a player, you know, you've got it in your head. Oh, I meant, I meant to be a professional. I meant to do everything perfectly. And then when you find something that is like, oh, this makes me feel so vulnerable. It's like, I, I don't want to show anyone that because everyone will stop calling me. This is the logic that is completely illogical that goes on in my brain. But hey ho just got a fight against it <laughs> yeah you do and you keep going but i mean that's an interesting point too that i hadn't thought of and i feel like i probably experienced that as well similarly is like especially when you're doing this as a business where you're trying to be a session person for somebody it's like when you put stuff out it does kind of become a bit of a calling card or it can um, yes. and that can be good or bad depending on what it is and how people receive it so at the same time as a creative you have to keep creating you know this is it and i think there's a lot of power in that because you know I think that's one of the great things about social media, actually, is the fact that you can put out exactly the kind of player and person that you want to be. You know, what is the kind of music you want to be playing like all the time? OK, we'll put out lots of that. And, you know, people talk about, oh, I want to go viral and da 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 and gimmick this and gimmick that. And it's like, yeah, but what happens if you do some silly thing that takes, you know, loads of effort? You don't actually enjoy it. It's really stressful. And then you are known for doing that. like. That sounds like a nightmare to me because you've now got to spend your career upholding that gimmick that you sort of like presented to the world. And they went, oh, yeah, we like that. Um, and to me, it's just not that doesn't make sense. It's like when I get asked to do uh, songs, when people get in touch, if someone comes to me and says, look, I want to have uh, it's a heavy metal track. It's prog heavy metal. It's double kick. Everything's in 17, eight. Um, yeah. I want you to play drums on it. I'm going to go, look, I'm very flat, but I know that I won't do the best job that can be done on that song. So therefore I'm going to respectfully decline because I want your song to be the best. First of all, that's first and foremost above everything always. But secondly, I don't want to, have other people in that same genre then getting in touch with me because they think that's what I do. It's too much. It's just too much. So yeah, I think really being comfortable with what you love is great, but still pushing a little bit just to explore because you never know what you're going to find as well if you explore those uh, those avenues, if you like. So yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting balance. Yeah, definitely. And I love what you said too, like maintaining your integrity essentially about what you're doing. And it's like, if you don't, you know, there are a lot of people, and I mean, I've been this guy in the past where it's like, especially when you're trying to like do this and really make it your profession, it's like money is a thing. And it's like, well, I have to take the job because it's money, but it's like, that's not actually the right reason to do it. And one of the things I really like about you, probably more than anything, is how purpose driven you are. And you're not like a money motivated person. Like you're there to help. You're there to create the best product you can. And if you do that, honestly, I don't think you can go wrong, even if it takes a little longer to get where you want to go you're going to be so much better off for it in the end. And so are your clients, you know, because you're really there with them. Yeah, this is it. I'm I'm under no illusion that I, I am offering a service to people and I just want to do the very best that I can for other people. And that's it. And, you know, obviously we, ha we have to make money. It's our living. But my whole ethos from when I was a kid and this was instilled in me by my parents, actually, they kind of just said, look, if you can work out a way to like earn a living doing what you love, then you're winning. So what that meant for me was, right, I know that I have to cover rent, food, petrol, and a few bills. Right. So I need X amount every month. And, you know, when you're starting out, it's not a huge amount. It was kind of all right. You know, and I knew, okay, I need to do like eight covers gigs a month. And then I know that I'm sorted and I'm, that's fine. So those eight gigs, Cool. They're going to happen. That's my money. 
the rest of the time I was playing with bands for free. I was going out to other gigs. I was meeting people. I was always just doing stuff, you know, and it wasn't like you say, it wasn't about the money. It was about the experience and meeting people and just being around. And I think that there's, again, I love social media, but I think that there is a mentality that's happening at the moment where people don't go out as much to actually meet people in the flesh, which I think is so important and it's difficult. And I still find it difficult, you know, heading out the door sometimes. I'm like, oh, I'm knackered. I'd rather just stay in and watch Netflix or something. You know, that would be great. But at the same time, it's like, no, I know the value in actually talking to someone face to face, looking in their eyes, learning about them. And you can't always get that over a, a message over Instagram, for instance, or over an email. Sometimes it really does just have to be an experience like in the flesh, you know? So, um, yeah, I can't even remember what you asked me. I'm just kind of going down a rabbit hole here. <laughs> No, and that's fine. It's funny. I was just thinking that too. I was like, this next question, did I already ask this? I don't think, but it's cool. This is awesome. No, this is really, really awesome. And uh, again, you just keep dropping these gems, man. Like even just the human connection. I mean, that's kind of what art is all built on is communication. It's a human connection, you know? This and is it. That is music to me. That is no. song. It's about a collective experience whether that's heartbreak whether that's joy whether that's you know any number of things because we can all listen to the same song listen to the lyrics for instance and interpret it in completely different ways we can relate it to completely different experiences but we're all there listening to that same song that collective song and that could be a pop song that you know maybe you know was written by numbers or whatever you want to think but if it speaks to you in some way, if the melody makes you feel something, I'm happy with that. Like I choose to believe that there is meaning behind everything. There may not be, but I my life is happier thinking that people were very um, purposeful in the way that they write their music. So I choose to believe that. And yes, that may be a naive way of thinking about things, but I don't care because ignorance is bliss to a point. So uh, I'll take that. <laughs> Well, and I got to be honest with you, too. Even if people aren't cognizant of it for themselves, I mean, I don't see how there could not be some purpose behind that. Everything that's out there, it's all it all came from somebody's illusion, you know, and every illusion is that purpose, purpose is, is, you know, who knows? Yeah, it's almost irrelevant as long as you can find purpose in it, if that makes sense. And that's always my key. That's always like, say I'm playing with a new artist, for instance, uh, like on tour. And I will, every song that is on in the set list, I will look for that, that key that's in my experience to open the lock of that song that then means that I get to be in it, if that makes sense. And yeah, it, yeah. it changes from just playing, playing a song like the way I see it is when I'm not in it, I'm kind of playing on top of it. And that's fine. And, you know, to a degree, it's like I'm doing my job. I'm ticking the box. However, when I find that key... I'm in the song. My heart and soul is in it. Sometimes I'm bursting into tears. Sometimes I'm just like screaming. You know, it's just when I realize that about myself and that actually I need that to truly connect and, and do the best that I can, um, it, it opened up my world. It really did. And don't get me wrong, it's hard sometimes. You know, sometimes you finish a gig and I'm like, I'm exhausted. Like, I'm emotionally spent. I, I, I'm I, done. I'm going to bed. Like, this is just, I'm done. Um, but there's, it's also so fulfilling as well, just to feel those emotions and feel connected to the song and to the artists, to the musicians around you, and obviously the audience in front of you that are feeling their own feelings. I think it's just a beautiful experience for everyone involved in varying sort of different ways, you know? Yeah, 100%. And I mean, it makes total sense when you put that much of yourself into a song. I mean, there is a big difference between strictly just physically playing a beat and actually involving yourself emotionally. And yeah, I mean... You think about any emotion you feel strongly, emotions drain you. <laughs> and it's good, you know, yeah. it means you did something. You know? Yeah, exactly. And it means you're human, you're feeling. So that's good. I'd rather be feeling stuff than be devoid of any feeling. That would really be a terrible yes. thing. <laughs> yes, it would. So kind of on the human connection line, how has your art influenced other people? Oh, that's a good question. I don't really know, to be honest. I mean, I... I, I it's a funny thing creating stuff because I I'm really 
I'm really thinking about how other people are perceiving it, if that makes sense. I'm mm. kind of trying to just serve the song, the artist, the feeling, the emotion, the story, all those things that I've already spoken about. And then everything else is kind of just a reaction to that. And and I'm sure that 99.9% of the time, I have no idea how I might have affected someone because people don't generally go, oh, you know, well, apart from you and your lovely intro, I mean, moments like that. I mean, you see how I get, I mean, I, I'm just like, oh gosh, I, I, I get all awkward. So it's probably better that I don't <laughs> sort of know how people are influenced by what I do. Um, I suppose the only sort of uh, different thing that I do that does actually people do get in touch and they do tell me is um with a drummer's guide too with my podcast series because I do tackle a few subjects that are quite difficult to talk about or you know it it, it was always trying to lift the veil a little bit on what it actually takes to be a professional musician aside from the playing because I remember when I was growing up and at 14 I knew this is what I wanted to do as a living like it wasn't about I wonder if it's like no I'm doing this I've just got to work out how and I then went on this quest to like just go and watch as many drums as I could, to read as many interviews as I could and all this stuff. And I distinctly remember being at a drum clinic and there was this drummer playing. Um, his name's Mark Mondazir. He played with Jeff Beck for years. He's a wonderful human. And at the end of his uh, masterclass clinic thing, he said, right, are there any questions? And I was sat there, I was desperate to just ask him all the things about like, what should I be doing? I really want to do this. I don't know what I should be doing. But I was so shy and I was so quiet and I was so scared that I didn't put my hand up. And I always remember that feeling. And I thought, do you know what? There's more people like me, 100%. So if I can create something that are answering the questions that maybe musicians don't even know they should be asking about what it takes, then that I feel like that could be valuable and that could help people. And the fact that it can be a podcast and on YouTube means that it can help lots of people. So that's why I kind of like started it. And um, yeah, and even now, you know, when someone comes up to me and says, oh, you know, I, I remember really well a, an old friend of mine who really supported me growing up like um his name's Jerry Brown amazing drummer and he was always so supportive uh and I saw him a couple of years ago and he came to me he said I just wanted to say thank you for doing that episode uh on your podcast about feeling down and like feelings of depression and that sort of stuff he was like that was really brave and it really touched me. And to hear that from him, who, when I was growing up, Jerry Brown was, you know, he was like, well, he's like my uncle. I just, I love him so much. And to hear that from him was such a poignant moment for me. And um, I just thought, wow, okay, I've, I've obviously done something a little bit okay for it to affect someone that I look up to in such high regard. So, and then equally, I'll get kids coming to me and chatting to me about, you know, episodes and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, this is exactly why I'm doing this. They're like, you are the reason. That's so cool. It's like another version of me. So, yeah, it's just, it's very fulfilling. It's very, very, very fulfilling. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's so awesome. And for the record, I cannot imagine you as a shy person. I know people don't believe me, but if you'd have met me when I was 10 to about, well, probably 17, well, 16, maybe so shy, so quiet. But in the context of drums, I found my confidence, you know, and, you know, I, this, this is what I do. I, I, I am a drummer. So if you get me talking about something else, I might get a bit quieter and shyer, <laughs> but yeah, drums, love it. <laughs> well, fair point. So shifting gears a little bit, do you have any pre-show or pre-studio rituals? Pre-show. I'll tell you the, the most recent pre-studio ritual that I started about six months ago that has absolutely changed my life is I have gifted myself 30 minutes every day to just play and do like stream of consciousness, just whatever comes out, comes out. It might be awful. It might be all right. It might be interesting. I might come up with certain stickings or voicings that I sort of get into my head and I just explore that. And I just allow myself to be a drummer and be creative. And basically this came off the back of, um, as we were talking earlier about sort of things that you feel uncomfortable with and vulnerable with. So when I do the voice kids, 
it has a really uh, good way of showing me what I'm feeling most insecure about in my drumming. And that's just because of the broad range of material that we have. The level of musicianship in that band is astronomical. And, you know, just the whole environment is very high pressure. Anyway, it always comes to light every year for me, something that I'm feeling insecure about. So uh, last year, I realized that improvisation and solos are or were the most terrifying thing to me that like honestly the two words that would bring the most fear to me on stage would be drum solo and I would freak and all of a sudden I lose all it's like I've never played drums I don't know what happened it's just one of those things so anyway I decided to sort of like tackle it I was like I need to take this head on because I don't like feeling like that it's not it's not good so let's let's just face it and I thought back to when I was a kid and from 11 till 18, every morning I would go in school and uh, play for an hour before school started. And it was a similar thing. It was kind of just, you know, just generally playing. I would have had exercises to practice or maybe songs to practice. But I thought I did that every morning for years. Like I have this studio. Surely let me just try this. Let me just try for like a month. And anyway, I started the first day was horrendous it was so bad I was like I feel like the worst drummer in the world like I don't know what I'm doing what am I doing here but I thought no I've committed to this I'm gonna do it every day just 30 minutes you know I thought to myself even if I just sit behind the drums for 30 minutes and don't play then at least I'm sat there like I'm not doing anything else I'm just I've got the intention you know to do something anyway six months later turns out it's brilliant it's so good it's you know my my playing has definitely come on my confidence confidence has come on also I'm a person that can be quite extreme so after that first month I thought right how can I turbocharge how I'm feeling about this so I thought I know what I'll do I'll live stream it so every day I live stream me playing for 30 minutes and like I say sometimes it's awful but I feel like if I can get comfortable with the discomfort, if that makes sense, and feeling vulnerable and feeling not very good or, you know, all those things, if I can normalize that, then everything else is going to be easy. So, yeah, I started doing that. And, and you know what? It's, it's such a brilliant way to start my day. And as I say, it's impacted all of my playing, like across the board in every situation. So, yeah, for anyone that's listening, I would highly recommend just taking an amount of time every day just for yourself, just to play, just to be the instrumentalist that you are, because sometimes it's nice to reconnect with your instrument and rather than just doing stuff for other people all the time, which has been my whole life and I love it, but there's something about strength that strengthening that connection with your instrument that I think, uh, I now think is really important. So um, yeah, I'd highly recommend. Five stars, would recommend. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no, and that's a great point to make too especially when you're doing client work all the time you're still an artist too you know and just validating that for yourself is cool and you know it gives you a, a human element to what you do so you're not just a drum machine you know what i mean like exactly. you're still a creative 100 so i think yeah. that's really really again brilliant oh thank you yeah yeah so what risks if any have you personally taken for the sake of your music oh my gosh Oh, I'll tell you a big risk that I took, which was the most terrifying thing at the time ever, but in retrospect was the best choice and decision and outcome was so when I was playing with the darkness and um, I had gotten this phone call, we had recorded an album together, you know, we were out on the road together and um, it had become apparent that the fit wasn't right for either of us, for me or the guys. And to make the decision to walk away from that was so terrifying to me. And it was so, um, all I had in my head was what will, everyone's going to think I'm mental. That's all I kept thinking. I was just like, everyone's going to go I'm like, is she right? Is she having a breakdown? How could she walk away from like, you know, this world renowned band who are brilliant? Um, like, what is she doing? But I knew in my heart and in my soul that it wasn't right. And in the same way that 
I, as I'm sure I've alluded to, you know, I play with a lot of different people and I love that. And I've, that is my career. I've built up relationships with so many people and I love the diversity of playing with different people. However, when you're in a band, quite rightly, you do have to dedicate yourself to just that band. And the guys were saying to me, look, you can try and do these other gigs, but if something comes in, you've got to drop it. And that doesn't sit well with me because I'm the type of person, if I say yes to something, I'm doing it. Unless there are ex- like extreme circumstances, I'm doing the thing that I said that I'm going to do. It's just the way I've always been. And I feel like it's really important for my reputation to be like that. Yeah. So anyway, this obviously <clears throat> made me just go, oh, maybe this isn't right for me. And um, anyway, me in the darkness, we decided to part ways. Again, like I say, the most difficult decision I've ever made. However. In retrospect, what it did give me was the space to then sit down and go, right, I didn't want to be exclusive to a band. I have commitment issues when it comes to bands. But, okay, so I don't want that. What do I want? And I sat down and I was like, right, I want to I want to think about the things that I love about playing the drums. Like, what are my favorite things and what are my least favorite things? Like, So like I say, commitment issues, okay, fine. So I want to have variety. Brilliant. All right. And then I was like, right, I hate rehearsals. I really hate rehearsals. I hate being in the room playing the same song over and over and over and over and over again. I don't enjoy that. It's just not fun for me. Um, I love meeting new people. Okay, that's interesting. I love songs. Songs are my thing. Like, absolutely adore it. Anyway, I sort of made this list and I looked at it and I realized that starting a remote recording business would probably be a logical thing to do. However, at the time, I had zero knowledge about recording equipment, maybe 1% knowledge about recording equipment. Obviously, I knew how to play drums, but yeah, like mics, preamps, setup, no idea. Then, business, running a business, getting clients, advertising and marketing, like all this sort of stuff. I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is not even in the music realm. Like, how am I going to do this? But I just thought, you know what, as with most, most things with me, I was like, I I'll find a way because there's too many reasons to do this. And there's always a reason not to do something. That is something that I live by. When I catch myself making excuses, I'm like, there's always an excuse not to do something. But there were too many great reasons. And and sort of the idea of creating this life where, you know, if I wasn't on tour, I could be doing my thing was really exciting to me because I'm, I'm sure you have this too. Um, I know a lot of musicians have this, in fact, where my self-worth was very heavily tied to whether the phone was ringing and people were asking me to come and play gigs with them, which is kind of fine when the phone's ringing, but when you get off a tour and nobody's calling, that's not a healthy way to be. Absolutely not. Like it's, no one should live like that. So anyway, I just thought, well, if I had this business, then I can come off the road and then I'll have clients, you know, ready to go. And I can always be investing my time and and everything into the business. So that's, that makes a lot of sense to me. And honestly, when I tell you it's the best thing I've ever done for myself, for my playing, for my business, just in life generally, it's, I'm so grateful that I split or me in the darkness split because it it was a turning point for me. It was really hard to make that decision. But when I tell you, it could not be a better decision. And now they have Rufus Taylor, who is such a great fit for them. Like, he couldn't be more perfect. They love Queen. He's great fun, great player, performs well. He's lovely, like, perfect. So I I feel like everything worked out the way that it was meant to work out. Yeah, totally. Well, and again, just it's so great that you stuck true to your purposes. And I think that's something, especially people starting out, there's no shortage of viewpoints to tell you how you should go about doing what you do or what are you crazy? How could you pass that? But it really is what your intention is. And that's not for anybody else to determine. And I think that's, again, a fantastic lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's true what you said, like production, like your your being productive is the basis of how you feel in life, you know? So Tyler. yeah, there's those times and I know like there have been times like when I'm getting my ass handed to me because I have so much work coming in, it's tough, but I'm like, God, this is great. One day it's like crickets, and I'm like, Well, I'm Uh-oh. just gonna go eat a bunch of ice cream and sleep. You know? 
<laughs> yeah, I, I I know that move. I've done that move many a time. I still do that move sometimes, you know. Sometimes it's nice to have a day just eating ice cream and watching Netflix. That is a good day. But as long as it doesn't last longer than a day or two, that's when the problem comes, when it's been weeks and it's like, I need to pay my rent. And I don't know what I should be doing right now. So yeah, it's 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 nice to have something to put that energy into. It's uh, yeah, like I say, life changing. I'm sure you feel the same with this podcast, like having that to kind of concentrate on, and and that is yours. There's something beautiful about having that pride of something, you know. Yeah, well, and also something that you do that goes beyond, like I said, just income or even like for me, this podcast is really just about validating you and inspiring other people to do more of the stuff that you're doing, you know? So, um, that's the reason I wanted to come on. I just, I just, I'm loving your whole vibe and what you're putting out there and your interviews. And it's just, I'm all about inspiring people and just making them feel like it's possible for them too, because I truly believe that it is possible and, you know, it's hard. It is hard, but you're providing a platform that people are able to share their stories and their struggles so that someone listening can go, Oh, I'm going through something like that too. And they can get through it. So maybe I can. And I think that's wonderful. So kudos to you for, for doing this. I think it's great. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. We, I mean, plain and simple, we need more artists in the world and of the ones that are already out there we need it. We need them doing more. The world needs it. So. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> and I, I, but I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for that acknowledgement. Of course. Of it course. means a lot coming from somebody of your caliber. Really oh, bless you. I'm just some idiot that hits things for a living. That's all I am. So no, no, no caliber here. You know, I call BS because everything we've talked about up until now refutes that statement. <laughs> I know, but I'm just nice so awkward nice. about the compliments. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so so Emily, what's one thing about you that would shock everyone to know? What is one uh what is one thing? Kind of think about something that I maybe have told people recently and they were like, What? What are you talking about? Um I don't like cheese. That's one thing which is uh elicited a very unreasonable response recently in a room full of uh, people. And I was like, Is this is this really a big deal? Okay, apparently it's a big deal that I don't like cheese. Apart from I do like cheese that doesn't taste like cheese. Uh, what else? Oh, I've eaten bear, which is interesting. Uh, wow. That's yeah. So that's that was in Canada with my cousins. Um, what else can I tell you that's a bit strange or would surprise people? I once played a gig in the middle of an ice rink as part of a performance with ice skaters all skating around me. That was a bit weird. So that's a bit odd. Um, I don't really know. Do you know what it is? I, I think we're all a bit weird. And to me, my weirdness is normal. <laughs> but you know when you suddenly say things and you go, ah, yeah, that's probably a bit strange, isn't it? But I cannot think of anything particularly interesting right now off the top of my head maybe I'll think of something in a minute but uh oh I'll tell you a random fact which a few people will know but some people don't um uh my dad is the producer of Peppa Pig hmm so that's yeah. a random a random fact which some people know some people don't but there you go I don't know <laughs> I have no idea oh and I've played drums on Peppa as Daddy Pig that was one uh, very awesome moment for me. <laughs> I was going to say, that sounds pretty incredible. Yeah, it was good. I tried to sneak in a Tower of Power beat uh, into his part. It was it was quite uh, hilarious. And then the animators genuinely animated him playing it. But they did a great job. I was so impressed. I don't know whether they were like, oh, we've got to get this right. But uh, it was awesome. I was, yeah, so impressed. They were great. Such great animators. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So shifting gears a little bit, what's the one thing or the one tool you absolutely cannot live without as an artist and why? Oh, easy. So some sort of device, whether that's a full recording setup like, like I've got here, whether it's a little dictaphone, something or your phone even, something to record yourself and listen back. Because this one practice I'm telling you is the reason that I'm sat here today, having done everything that I've done. So when I was 18, I had a drum lesson with a drummer called Billy Ward, 
who is a magical human. He's from upstate New York. Uh, he's played with like Robbie Robertson and all sorts of people. He's a wonderful human. And anyway, uh, I went and had this lesson and this was in my time of devouring knowledge of how to become a professional musician, you know. And um, we had this lesson. He said, you know what? The one thing that like all you need to do, all you need to do is just record yourself and listen back. And I was like, oh, okay. And I sort of took it, but I was 18. I'm a bit like, oh, so green. And oh, that sounds nice. Anyway, did I implement it? No. It probably took me another two years before I actually was like, oh, I should probably do that thing that Billy told me to do. And when I tell you that it was the most shocking experience to realize how I actually sounded versus how I thought I sounded, it was so jarring. I was like, I was devastated. Like when I when it happened, when I did it, I literally had to just put down my sticks and just stop playing for the day. Cause I was like, this is this is heartbreaking. This is not the player that I thought I was. But from that moment, I became obsessed. As you can tell, I'm quite obsessive generally. Um, I became obsessed with just recording everything that I was doing and listening listening back to it. So as I said before, I was playing in covers bands. So I'd set up my dictaphone and just record and just see how I was playing, what my feel was like, how I was locking in with other people. like, And then obviously the overall sound generally, but that was kind of not neither here nor there because it was about what I was bringing to the table. I was playing to records, like my favorite records. And I was just trying to lock in with the drummers that were on those records. Um, and yeah, it just became this obsession. Now I do this to this very day, even those 30 minute practice uh, sessions that I do every morning, the free playing sessions, I record that. And I make sure that I do listen back to it because there might be a little nugget of something that I'm like, oh, that's, that's interesting. Like maybe I need to develop that or maybe, you know what I mean? Like something like that. So um, yeah, I'd say the one thing that every musician or anyone that is looking for feedback in how, how they're actually doing. So you know, if you're an actor, then film yourself, you know, just actually objectively look at what you're doing. Because it's all good and well as well if you're going to an external person to ask for their advice about how you're playing or acting or whatever it is or what your art's like or whatever. However, they have their own agendas. They have their own biases. They, you know, they might try and they might be trying to be nice to say something, but actually it can come off you know, a little bit, not rude, but they're trying to protect you maybe and, and it, not very encouraging, but coming from a good place, I'm sure. But there's nothing like having irrefutable material in front of you that you can go, right, that's not good enough. I need to work on that. Or, and this, there is a turning point that happens and it was the craziest thing when it happened to me where you go, oh, that actually sounds okay. When that happens, light bulb, like revelation, I get it. And um, yeah, so I'd, I'd say everyone listening, just get get something that provides you with feedback for what you're doing so you can look at it objectively and go, right, what do I need to work on? Amazing. Yeah, no, and I can attest to that. I actually just recently played a show and I happened to bring a simple recording set up and I literally did a DI recording of everything. And I was like, at the end of that, I was like, yeah, great show. Everyone loved it. The bar loved it. And then I got home and listened to it. I was like, it's pitchy there. I was pitchy there. <laughs> but everyone loved it. And even listening to the playback on my phone, it sounded okay because room reverb and all that stuff. But listening to the DI recording of what I actually did, I'm yeah. like, oh, there's room for improvement here. Cool. Yeah. And uh, well, and do you know what? Kudos for you for having that attitude because I think that's exactly the attitude you need of like, okay, room for improvement. And I think you know, you don't beat yourself up about it. It's just like, okay, it is important to pick out the good bits as well. But yeah, if you can get, like you say, something, the recording, if it's as raw as it can be, so there's no bells and whistles, like you say, just the DI, like this is actually what was happening. Like it, it's it's very valuable, but equally it can be painful, but you've got to be kind to yourself. That's the hard bit. You've got to be kind to yourself and go, right, I'll take the other interesting thing that I found as well is sometimes you don't actually need to be, um, you don't need to purposefully actually take action. I feel like sometimes there's something subconsciously that happens with me where I can listen to something that I've recorded like just, you know, once and I'll listen back and I'll go, 
oh, it's not quite right, but I don't know why. And then the second time I record it, it's better. And I, I haven't consciously done something, but there's something about things just lining up or I, I'm, I'm not sure. So even just the act of doing it and listening back without having to actually go, right, I'm going to make sure that this note is exactly, you know, you don't need to do that. You just need to have an awareness, I think. And soon that gap between how you think you sound and how you actually sound becomes the same thing. And that's that's where you want to be. And uh, it's it's amazing when you get there. It's hard work, I tell you. <laughs> well, I'm sure we both know. It's hard work, <laughs> but it's worth it. So yeah. worth it. No, 125%. It is work, but very much worth it. God, it's so fulfilling. I, I'm like you. I can't imagine doing anything else. Yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah. So here is a fun question for you. If you were going to write a book about your career up to this point, what would you title it? <gasps> Stories from the best seat in the house. Oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> you think I've thought of that before? Yeah, I yeah. Yeah, that's my answer. <laughs> that is a great answer. I love that. Which and true. It is the best thing in the house. You get to be, you get to see the full show. You get to see everything. And then you get to see all the audience. It's just, it's awesome. It's just the best. I just, yeah, there you go. Stories from the best seat in the house. TM. Oh my God, I love that. <laughs> uh, yeah, TM, trademark that immediately because somebody's going to lift it if you don't. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, I have two more questions for you. Cool. Um, the first question is, what are your plans for world domination? <laughs> My plans for world domination are to continue connecting with as many musicians and humans as I can in, for the rest of my life and just learn as much as I can from people and their stories and their experiences because I'm fascinated by people. I'm fascinated by people's experience. Um, I love the fact that now with technology being the way that it is, you know, being affordable, more accessible, it means that more people can share their experience in life and by extension connect with other people. So I, I'm just excited about that. I'm excited of the development of just the human experience and what that's going to look like. And even with things like chat GPT, which I know a lot of people are scared about, I find it fascinating. I think it's, it's a real, um, I don't know, we're on the precipice of a really interesting time of like what creativity is going to look like with things like that being used as tools. Obviously I'm sure it'll be abused in certain ways, but I think it's just really interesting to me. And and as I say, making things more accessible, I think that's nothing but a good thing. And um, I'm really excited to sort of do that. And like I say, connect with as many people as possible, including your lovely listeners, of course. <laughs> awesome. And then my last question for you, and just to revisit the introduction to the show. So the show not only showcases the best of independent artists, it also explores what inspires them, what drives them and what they consider their fundamental purpose as an artist to be. So, Emily, what's your truth? My truth is, as I said before, to connect with people through song, through my drums, and to deepen whatever that is, whatever that emotion, story, feeling, connection is. I want to bring myself fully to you know that music that song that tour that album whatever it is and give everything that I can to elevate it and to make it the very best that it can be and and just continue to do that basically and and hopefully by extension be able to connect with more people worldwide I think that's it <laughs> amazing I love that. What a great way to end this off. And thank you so much for being here with me today and taking the time. I know you're busy. Um, I really thank do appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. I can't tell you uh, doing this. And you've asked me questions that no one has asked me before, which is always really refreshing. So thank you so much. It's, it's been a joy. Oh, you are so welcome. Before we do end off, I did want to give you 60 seconds to plug anything you would like. All, you know, 60 seconds of all things Emily Dolan Davies. Fire away. 
Okay, yeah. Uh, so for anyone that wants to find out any more about me, you can go to emilydrums.com and on there you can find Drumstem Club, which is uh, which are free drum multi-tracks. And then uh, if you want bespoke drums, you can find that on there too. There's also my remote recording business course where I teach the business side of running a remote recording studio, but in musician's language, so it's not like terrifying. Um, yeah, and there's a whole, it, the, my podcast is on there. It's just all the stuff, but just reach out, come say hi. And if there's any way that I can help you in some way, then just, yeah, send me a message basically. Awesome. And I will attest that's true because that's what I did. I reached out and said, hi, and Emily actually emailed me back. And here I we did. are. And again, I'm sorry it took me so long to reply. My inbox, honestly, is so backed up right now, but I'm so glad that we got this sorted because this has been so much fun. So thank you so much for persevering with me and being patient. <laughs> no, you are so welcome. And it was beyond worth it. And, oh. uh, I, you know, I, I can appreciate that you're busy. And I think that's, again, that's one of the things that I love is that you're out there being productive. And I considered it a good sign that it took you a minute to get back to me because I know you're out there working, you know. So thank you for for being an example of what it is to actually be a producing artist that actually does this, you know. Yeah, thank you so much. No, it's 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 been a pleasure, like I say, an absolute pleasure. And thank you for doing what you do as well. Like, I think this is a great platform and subject matter and long may it continue to inspire many people. Well, thank you. That is certainly my hope. Yeah. And uh, to everyone watching, this has been the What's Your Truth podcast. We will see you on the next episode. Later. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>